So um, we're going to turn to the scriptures, uh, Psalm 77, verse 9, while you're doing that. Did you ever hear the one that says, I heard something funny, I saw it written the other day, and it said, when God closes a door, he opens a window. I heard that. And then he says, this one, until God opens a door, worship in the hallway. You heard that one? Yeah, and then this one was the kicker. It says, when one door closes, another one opens. Other than that, it's a really good car. <laughs> uh, you know, we need to laugh a little bit. It's good. Um, I appreciate Brian, the worship, and the sensitivity of our hearts. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's read this scripture, Psalm 77, verse 19, and then we'll pray together. It says this, just this one verse, your way was through the sea and your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. That's in the ESV. It's a portion of scripture that um, David is recounting uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. And, and there's, there's other implications to the, the prophetic verse and, and the way he wrote it, but he was remembering God, and when I read that portion of Scripture, I went, God, you're the, you're the greatest superhero that ever lived. It says, the, the, the context of that was, the Scripture says, God, when you approached the waters, they trembled. Oh. It was like he, he walked up to the waters, and they parted, and he walked through and prepared a way for the children of Israel though his footprints were not seen. So, Father, we just, we just humble ourselves to your word and your heart for us. Lord, that you always make a way. You always come to make our hearts strong. Where we, where we are weak and our heart are frail and we wonder about what's next Lord, that you actually have walked the path ahead of us that we are about to take, even though your footprints may not be evident to our eye. And yet, Father, you do because the future trembles at your feet. It makes way for you. It gives honor to you and glory to you. And Father, all you've said is, I, I'm, I'm taking you in my train. I want you just to follow me, be led by me. So, Father, we just, I, I humble my heart to you. And I say, Father, I give you my future, future of my family, everyone in my circle of influence, Lord. Someone said, how big is that circle? You're in it if you're hearing my voice. You're here in your, if you're not, and I know you. That great blessing would come to your life in Jesus' name. Shaba. So um, I was woken with this, this verse in my heart uh, a little while ago, and I want to share with you a few things. But this, I was reminded yesterday I was on a, a Zoom conference with my friend Josh Hoffert and Murray Duick, and we were talking about the spiritual life, and we were reminded of a story that uh, was, there was a man, a brilliant um, ethicist named John Cavanaugh, and it says he went to work for three months at the House of Dying with Mother Teresa. And he was seeking a clear answer as to how best spend the rest of his life. And on the first morning, he met Mother Teresa. And she said, what can I do for you? And Kavanaugh asked her, can you pray for me? 
well, what do you want me to pray for, she said. And his voice, he, he, he requested, he says, I've borne this burden the whole journey here. Um, please, please pray for me that I would have clarity. And she said firmly, no, I will not do that. And, she, and, she, and he, he says, well, why? She said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and you must let go. And he said, but, but Mother Teresa, you've always, it's always looked like you've had great clarity in your life. She says, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. I will pray that you have trust. That's a powerful story, isn't it? Uh, we're reminded in the scripture of John 15, 5, I'm reminded. Uh, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. It's a very humbling word. And yet what I'm finding out about humility is completely different than what I have been uh, led to believe most of my life about humility. Um, what, I'm, what I'm realizing is uh, there, was, there was a time when, well, a number of months ago, the Lord came to me and he said, you know, Steve, you I know you love me. I really do. But what I want is you to trust me. And I felt impaled. <gasps> God, I love you. Yeah, but I want you to trust me. Trust me. And I'm realizing that, that my life with the Father isn't about how much I understand about him. It's that my heart connects with him. He is most concerned about my heart. Not if I understand him. It's that, that I connect with him in such a place that, that and, and I've learned, I'm learning this, that humility, the greatest expression in my life of humility is that my trust increases. Not that I abase myself and go, oh God, you are great and I am not. That'll be proved by my trust in him. The opposite, we, you know, we say of trust is pride. Humility is pride, but, and the opposite of, of humility is pride, which manifests itself in control. I, want, I need to control my environment, protect my heart, protect my life. And when things come against me, the, the, the more I trust him, actually, the, the greater humility I have. And he's not content to leave me the way I am. He's not. Um, over the last two years, in my life generally, I, uh, or, well, since the year 2000, I've asked the Lord every year for a word from the Lord. What's a plumb line for me? What's a word that I can navigate this, this year with? And in 2019, um, I was at a men's retreat, and the Lord birthed a word in my spirit, which was the word unbound. And, and, uh, and then we went through 2019, and it was a powerful time at our CMA conference. There was just this, there was a, there was a loosing of our lives. And the, and the word of unbound was simply the story of Lazarus coming out of the grave. And when Lazarus came out of the grave, he still had his grave clothes on. You wonder, you know, Jesus, couldn't you just drop them off at his feet and he would just run out? But what it happens is, is the, Lazarus comes out of the grave and he still has the grave clothes on, and Jesus looks over to the disciples and says, unbind him. 
And in that, that journey, I realized the father said, it wasn't Lazarus who rose from the dead, Steve. It was me, me in Lazarus's body. And I did, Lazarus didn't need to be unbound. I needed to be unbound in him. I went, oh, am I allowed to say that? That it wasn't Lazarus that rose from the dead? You know, and that's what resurrection and new birth is all about. Like Lazarus had actually the most aware, vivid, born-again experience where he was going, okay, I was powerless. I didn't rise. He rose in me. And he wants to be free now in me where my vessel, my body actually becomes the vessel, the, 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 the instrument that the Father will use to manifest himself in the earth. So much so that when we, we, we read that story in, in Luke 12 and it goes on and it says that they were conspiring to kill Jesus and the, and the elders and the, and the Pharisees said, we've got to kill Lazarus too. Otherwise, this isn't going to end. And I heard, killing Jesus wasn't enough? He goes, no, because I would have lived through Lazarus. My presence would have filled the earth. And that's the mandate on our lives. But we go through this, this, this place in our lives where, you know, I, I still have some grave clothes on and I need my friends around me to unbind me. And, and so it's, a, it's a powerful thing. So in 2019, I had this word on my heart and I was getting close to 2020 and I said, Lord, what's the new word for the year? And I was percolating some things and I was coming up with a really good one for 2020. And I met for lunch with a prophetic friend of mine who has a super heart. He's one of my, my good friends and and he says, well, what's the word for the year? And I kind of shared with him some of my thoughts. And he goes, no, no. I think it's still unbound. We're not done yet. And little did we know that we'd be walking into 2020 where, where the earth was going to shake and the, the body of Christ was going to be revealed that we were have to, you know, shut down and change. And, and there was a lot of unbinding that the Father still wanted to do because we had a certain understanding of what worked for us and what we liked and what we didn't like and how we liked it and how we didn't like it. But we didn't really have the understanding. We still, in a way, don't of the heart of the Father. But what I learned in that was I was searching for a word for the year. And when it's, it ended up being the same word, I asked the Father, what's with that? And he said, Steve, I, I'm not a calendar man. My words aren't a calendar year, are based on the calendar year. I give you a word in season yeah. for a season. And I release my, my, the, the next word for you when that season is done. And sometimes we, we want the season to change. You know, it's, it's winter and it's cold. We want spring to come and we want summer to come. It can't come quick enough. But we're, we don't have control over that. And we, say, we do not have control over how God works. We don't even have control over how our heart works. But he does. And so he took us all through 2020 and he's you know, still unbinding. You know, what on you is still you? What resembles the grave clothes on you that we need to get rid of? Are you impatient? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you, are you in turmoil? Are you, you know, because the scripture says this, when flesh comes at us, 
It has the ability to, flesh begets, births flesh. Spirit and life births spirit and life. And peace and joy. How was your joy? Oh, it wasn't very good. Oh, we've got to get some grave clothes. We're still not done. Let's get them off. Let's get them off. And what I've found with, those two wor- with that word over those two years is that one of my dad's great mentors, um, my dad just had his 90th birthday, and he's still praying for people and loving Jesus. And, and uh, we kind of watch with one eye as he drives the car, you know. But um, great, great dad. And the word was this, that God never speaks out of a spigot. He speaks like rain. So when the sound of God is released or a word of the Lord is released, we listen for it and we watch for it. We don't say, thus saith the Lord. We go, ah, do you hear the sound that I hear? Ah, oh, I heard it over there. I heard it over here. I heard it over here. And it does something to our heart when God confirms his word. Not, oh, see, I'm right. Oh, it's my heart, and I'm not alone in this. He's speaking to you, too, about this. And it resonates in you. And so when we gather together, we go, ah, we've heard the sound of the Lord. And it does something to our hearts. That's why, you know, it, it's, yeah, I'll just make a point on that in a minute here. Um, so um, I just want to talk about a little bit of a story here. Um, and, a, and give you a prophetic thought. So, and, and I, I had to write it this way because I, I really came very humbly this morning um, that I, I want to speak, the, this is just some preamble that I just walked through now, but the word that I want to bring today, I, I, I want to speak to your heart and not your head. I remember uh, Sylvie and I in our condo, um, we had a visitor, they were traveling through on a ministry trip and and um, <laughs> we were discussing a few things. It was just a, you know, a bathroom break for them and a drink of water and off they were going to go. And we were sharing and talking about things. And he made this comment, oh, Steve, I always thought you were more relational than you were theological. And I went, oh, lay them down. Let's, let's go at it. You want, you want theological? Let, let's throw You just threw the glove down. And I re- <laughs> an offense came to me. And I said after they left to Sylvia, did you hear what he said? You're more relational than theological. And Sylvia goes, oh, that's one of the best comments you could ever get. (laughs) But you see, what happened was he came from a fleshly observation and it aroused my flesh where my heart has been weak because one of the lies against my life always is, oh, you don't have what it takes. There's far more qualified people than you. See that place in my heart. So the enemy comes after my heart with the lie. Ah, you're not as theological as, you you don't appear that way. And so I wouldn't consider you in that camp. And I'm going, oh. But it aroused something in my flesh that the Father wanted to unbind in me. So I, I... I didn't take my words, my wife's words as, as the only definitive answer, so I asked somebody else, did you hear what he, this is what he said to me, you know, like I couldn't let it go, you know, I, I'm more relational than theological. Oh, that sounds wonderful. What a compliment. I'm going, 
you're not the guy I want to talk to. What about you? And everywhere I went, I was affirmed. And then I went, you know what? The Father is far more relational than theological. He is. He doesn't ask us for our credentials. He doesn't. And so some of the things I want to share here um, are things that Sylvie and I are being made aware of. It's not a prophecy of a thus saith the Lord or clarion call that all, you know, that it's more, this is what we're experiencing. And I've always held in my life that the things that I go through and my family goes through is not only for us, but it's a reflection of what the body of Christ is going through. And to understand that, that it's Christ in me, it's no longer me and my family. And, and that's why there's so much unknown in this in, in this life of, of walking with Christ in the earth, we, we want to know and figure it out, and we want to use it as an instrument to, to navigate our, our lives rather than we're experiencing something of God that isn't just about this life. And, but that's hard. It's not really easy sometimes. But I hope that um, some of the things that we share here this morning that you hear the sound of the Father and, and that perhaps something will resonate in your spirit. And if it resonates, I'm happy. If it doesn't resonate yet, be patient. It's not that it has to. But if it does, see, I'm listening for, the res- for that, that resonance. I'm, I'm, I want, you know, the tuning fork. And like this morning, I was talking to, to someone as I came in, part of the live stream team, and, and, I, and, and they told me, oh, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And I went, oh, yeah, I've been thinking that too. And, and, I, and I realized there, there's, there's a sound of God. Yes. I, don't, I don't see that yet, but I hear it sound. And I don't hear it just in me. I heard it in him too. I went, oh, okay. There's something about that. So the, the beginning of this year, I was asking the Lord, what's the word for the year? And of course, now I'm careful and I'm saying, what's the word for the season we're in? And the father said, what do you want more than anything? What do you want more than anything? And I said, oh, Lord. I said, I want your house to be filled with glory. I, I, when, I go, when I go to the house of the Lord, I want to be undone. I want, I want to be undone. I don't want to just come. I want to go away different and changed. Like, you know, people say, oh, you know, church is never going to be the same. The COVID, COVID idiots out there, sorry. Was that recorded? But they say, oh, church will never be the same. You know, it's never going to be the same. Never going to return. And, there's a, and I'm going... Oh, when they returned to Zion, their mouths were filled with laughter and praise and joy, and it shook the earth. And I heard the Father say, (laughs) you know, Steve, everybody's worried about when to meet, how to meet, can we meet, can't we meet, what do we do, what are the rules, what are the rules. Nobody's asking, what happens when you meet? Are you focused on me? 
Are you focused? Like, we're all worried about, no, we're not allowed to meet. We've got to sit, you know, sit so many feet apart, and we've got to do this and that. It's all inconvenient and everything going. When was it about you? Wasn't this about his glory? Wasn't it about, like, so when, you, when church reopens and you come back into the house of the Lord, you know, with your friends and those around you, will it be about, wow, we're so glad we can meet? Or it's, oh, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Isn't he glorious? Isn't there something about that in your spirit? You're going, I don't want to meet just so I can meet. I want to meet so that I, I hear, oh, you heard the sound? I heard the sound. You heard the sound? You're rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. You know, when it says don't forsake the, the assembling of yourselves, it's not about our right to meet. It's about something happens when we meet. Don't leave yourself out of that because you might be a coal that was in the fire and got a little discouraged, so you, you wandered, you, you, you thought to yourself, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just going to go over here for a while. Not to another church. I'm just going to go over here. And it's like, you know, don't do that. Don't let, your, don't let your heart go cold. Don't let your, like, you're a cold, you, you are a son and a daughter. Come on back in. And, and that, that, that fire that happens in our lives happens and it ignites together. Like I, I felt this morning, I went, I sent a text to Brian. I said, how? Oh. Because Sylvia wasn't quite feeling well. And I thought, well, if she doesn't come, I don't want to go without her. And so I, Brian. Well, Sylvia can't go. Yo, Brian, are you, what are you doing this morning? Where are you going to be? Why? Because iron sharpens iron and fire keeps fire going. I know he's going to be with you guys too, but it was like, hey, Brian, where are you? Oh, I'm going to be there. Like, okay. And Sylvia goes, I'm coming too. It's like, okay. That's what that means. I'm better because of being together. And my spark, like, like I, I talked to Stan at the back and Peter, and it's like, oh, Oh, they did grin. I said, stop grinning so much. But there was something because we know as friends that when we gather, we gather not because we're just friends, but because the living God is inside of us and God is happy. It's an amazing thing. I'm going to go on in that. Um, so I was asking the Lord, and he says, what do you want more than anything? And I said, oh, God, I want, I want your presence. I said, I want to be, and this was my word for the year, I want to be undone. I want to be undone. I want to be undone. I want to be ruined for anything that I have thought I was or am. So that I'm, I'm not that I'm solely dedicated to him. He knows my heart. But I want to be undone. I want to be undone. Where your glory undoes me. And I don't even have to try to make myself available for whatever the assignment might be. He will make me willing in the day of his power. It says that in the scripture. Your people are willing in the day of your power. Why? Because they're willing? No, because of your power. When you encounter, when Isaiah in chapter 6 encountered the living God, it says he fell at his, on his face and he says, I'm undone. Another translation says, I'm ruined. And then he says this, because I'm a man of unclean lips and I reside with the people of unclean lips. And this was my take on it. I said, Lord, explain that to me. He says, yeah, Isaiah thought he, was, he wasn't worthy. But that didn't hold me back from revealing my glory to him. I'm going, okay. So it's not about that I have to come worthy. He says, yeah, so I had to, this is my take. 
bear with me, all you theologians out there. Um, he said, he said uh, I had to take a coal from the altar to convince him of his holiness, of his worthiness. So I purged him. I said, okay, you're, you're good to go get up. Okay, sometimes we need something tangible to break the chain off of us of our own, what we think our identity or what we've been told our identity is, rather than Isaiah, you're my man. Oh, I just don't feel like it. Okay. Isaiah had to be reminded of who he really was. That happens in the glory. Whereas manifest presence comes, and we, we are actually, you know, people call it, oh, we want the fear of the Lord to come back to the church. We want the glory of the Lord to fill the church. You'll be, there'll be no, no need to go, oh, I'm, I've, ado- I've, I've, I've developed a fear of the Lord. You have not. When you meet him, you don't have to develop anything. It will happen. Have you encounter, been encountered by him where you are ruined and undone? And then he says, get up. And he didn't say, get up for an assignment. He said, get up. And then he began looking over the earth and went, you know, I got some things I want to do. Who'll go for me? Oh, I'll go. Instantly. Like, when that happens, you, you don't have to, there's, there's no effort in this. Oh, but what about discipline and, and formation and all those things? Well, something happens at that dividing line when you encounter his glory where it's a whole lot different than trying to strive for it. I believe in the disciplines, and I, I love that, but he doesn't want me getting up at 6 in the morning and going down and making an amazing cup of coffee and sitting with my Bible and my notebook and spending time with him because it's a discipline. He wants to do it because I can't wait. I go, he tells me things. He tells me things. So I, I, I go, God, I want to be undone. And he says, oh, that's okay, that's great. Let's spend some time in Joshua chapter 1. And I said, well, that's my life first, Lord. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord's going to do mighty things about you. you know, that, that was one of my life verses back in, when I was you know, youth pastoring in Bible school. It was like I had this download of this, you know, be strong and courageous. And I started looking. He says, let's look into this a little. So I started looking into it a little. And I said, Lord... You had to tell Joshua five or six times to be strong and courageous. What's with that? And he goes, well, Joshua wasn't a very strong and courageous guy. And I went, oh, and that's my life verse? Yep, you're not a very strong and courageous guy either. And I went, I'm not a very strong and courageous guy either, Lord. He says, that's right. Joshua had never met God himself and got a word from the Lord. All of his exploits were, he, he only did what Moses told him to do. But now it's one-on-one. Now he's encountering the Father. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'm going, what was his heart like? The guy I relied on to hear from the Lord for us, and everything worked that he said is now not coming with us I've never led before. Was he a little scared? How was Joshua's heart? Let's go get them, boys! Or, you know, Joshua, remember now. Remember. 
It actually even it says this, that Joshua says, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is what the Lord's going to say, and the Lord says, you know, Joshua's my man. And Joshua informs the people of what's coming next, and the people say, we'll do that, Joshua. Only, but remember, be strong and courageous. Like the people said that to him too. We'll follow you, Brian, but remember, be strong and courageous. Okay, now I'm really sunk. <laughs> I can't say, pick somebody else. Um, and the Lord's visiting me that way because I want to see the glory of the Lord. I want to be undone. And so the Father doesn't come to me and just zap me and go, there you go. Now you're undone because he knows my heart. And for me to be undone, unbound and undone, it's not about a power encounter. It's about my heart being released to trust him in ways that I am fearful, in places that I'm fearful, or that I don't always get it. We, we love the power encounters of God. That's the easy stuff. It's when the power isn't there and you still walk away undone because you know he, he's pierced your heart and he said, come here, trust me. So little did I know the ways of God. So here's what happened. That was, you know, that we're, we're not even talking, you know, the, the first part of January, all this is, you know, coming to me. And then, and so I'm walking in this in my own heart going, Lord, where are the places of my heart that I don't trust you? Don't let, allow me to break faith with you in those areas. Strengthen my heart. Little did I know that on January 26, we as a family, we, we, we got a notice from our landlord that said, I'd like to talk to you. And we went, okay, this is strange. He never wants to talk to us. Everything's fine. We've been in this place a long time. We've been in this place seven years. And, you know, they, they trust us. That they, we treat it like it's our own. And so we, we go online real quick to do in our due diligence, you know, our little searching, and we realize he's listed the place for sale. <gasps> now, remember, my heart isn't really always that strong. Right? So it comes to me like, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to have to leave. And I go, hmm. So right away, I, 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 I'm going, okay, Father, so Sylvie and I start, you know, you know, I meet with him the next day, the landlord, and he says, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor Steve, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, but I have to sell the house. And I said, oh, so <laughs> in my best heart for Jesus and for him, we just want you to get full price, and we want you to be blessed, and don't worry about us, we'll be fine. And I went home, we'll be fine, right, Sylv? <laughs> yeah, we'll be fine. God is, you know, we've been through stuff like this before. And I go, oh, she's God's girl of faith and power. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, <laughs> Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, so we've been there seven years. And we're looking online and we're going, oh, man, like rent now is through the roof. We thought what we were paying was through the roof. So, so this is my prophetic thought. Seven years, seven days, seven doors. The house listed, January 26, been there seven years. The Lord said this, 
when we got our notice. Prepare your hearts. You've never been this way before. I went, what do you mean? And I've learned that when God says something, I don't ask him why he's saying it. I say, what are you doing? And not only that, but what are you doing in me for what's coming? What, what is it? What's taking place, God? Give me insight into this. He says, well, you've never been this way before. I said, we've seen a lot of things over our years. He says, you've never had to move where it hasn't been your choice. I went, oh, you're right. This is the first time we've ever been evicted. Because they're moving, the new people that are buying it want to live in it. So, you know. So it sells in seven days. We've been there seven years. It sells in seven days. It's crazy. We're going, okay, we've got to find a place. So we're looking online now. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And the father says, um, you know, um, I am bringing this to you. Allow me to bring what's next to you. Because we're searching, we're going, oh man, this is not good. We're paying this much month, a month. It's, you know, here, it's going to be here. And we, we live, we live by, uh, sometimes I don't know if we live by faith. Sometimes I want to believe I live by faith that God will provide all the time. Sometimes I believe my faith increases when he provides. Because he knows my heart and won't leave me there struggling. Honest. Um, so <laughs> he says, let me bring something to you. Because, you know, you can look on the internet and then you can just get right self, you get weary. Oh, man. You do it for two days. You're on there all the time looking for places, looking for places. What about this? What about that? Well, I don't know. You know. So it's, we've been there seven years. It sells in seven days. And on seven days from then, I get a call from the listing realtor who sold the unit that we're in. And they say to us, I have another unit in your complex, exactly the same as the one you're living in, I've listed it, and now it's, there's an offer on it, and the new people want to know if they can call you to see if you're willing to rent from them. <laughs> it's seven doors down. Exactly. It's been there seven years, seven days it sells, seven doors down, another unit opens up. We didn't look for that unit. It came to us. It's like, oh. Okay, Lord, you're doing this because you know my heart. He says, yeah, but I want you to know mine. Okay. So I'm walking in this, and Sylvie and I are walking in this. And at the same, on the same day that the realtor called, this, it just gets bizarre. On the same day that I, I got off the phone with the realtor, and Sylvia, I walked into the bedroom to say to Sylvia, hey, there's a unit seven doors down, that, and she's on the phone to her mother. And, and the call from her mother was, you know, Sylvia, I need you and Steve to come over right away. I have something I want to share with you. I've been thinking about it for the last day and a half, and I, I just need to talk to you, but I can't do it over the phone. You need to come. And her mom and her sister live in Abbotsford, and, and Sylvia, we, we go over there and help her and take care of her and do those kind of things. And uh, so we, we go to her the next day, and she says, oh, I have this great idea. You know what? I think... Um, 
I'm ready to sell our house and maybe we can buy a, a duplex together and maybe we can, you know, so that you can be close to us. But I know you don't want to live with us because you need your space. We still want our space. But, you know, maybe, what, what do you think of this great idea? She's all excited. And we're going, I don't know if we're ready for that. But we're going, you know what? She's ready for it. Day before, couldn't get a crowbar to pry her out of that house. She was going to be there to the end. But all of a sudden, something shifted in her, and she says, and I said, you know, Mom, that, that, we, you know, that, that's, that, that's quite something that you actually are thinking about, that, wanting to sell. She says, yeah, you take care of us, you help us. You know, I want to help you. And, and I, said, I said, oh, this is interesting. I said, I said, you know what, we just had this offer to rent a townhouse just seven doors down from us. And then the Lord says to me, tell her, we're going to rent this townhouse for a year while we help you prepare to move. Because it's not going to happen in two months to get her ready. So we're going to help you prepare. And the Lord says, tell her, and this is what he was sharing with me too. He said, he said it's like the children of Israel getting ready to cross the Jordan into their inheritance. Prepare your things, for in three days you're going to go. Oh, get ready. And I said to her, we're not going to move immediately. It's not going to happen immediately. Not like the children of Israel in three days. Oh, good. <laughs> but it was like, prepare. And the Lord said this, Mom, prepare your heart, because you're going to have to sift through things that you've went, this is really valuable to me and really important and has a memory for me. But you're not going to be able to take that into what's next. There's going to be attachments. There's going to be things that you're going to need to say, you know what, for the next season of my life that I'm walking into, for the next part that will be not only a blessing to her but to her whole family, she's going to have to prepare her heart for what she doesn't know yet and what it's going to look like. I said, let's not even talk about what it's going to look like or where or how. Let's just begin to prepare our hearts. And I felt the Father say that about the body of Christ. So then the Lord, in this same week now, we're still in the same week, the Lord says to me, he says, remember the story of Obed-Edom. Randy and I talked about this the other day over lunch, we, that, that um, David, more than anything, wanted the presence of God to be in the city of David. So he went, oh, okay, we have, it's my chance. This is what I've longed for. I want to be undone, and I want, I want the glory of God in the city of David. So he puts it on a cart. We all know about carts, and he, and he brings it through thinking, oh, God, I can get it there. And it says at the threshing floor, I can't remember the guy's name, that's where the oxen stumble and Uzzah puts his hand up to protect the ark from falling and dies. And the Bible says that David gets angry at God and says, you know, I, I wanted this more than anything. I, don't, I, I just can't handle it. So he stashes the ark at Obed-Edom's house. And it says in the Bible, it stays there for three months. And in that three months, his life is, and his family and his extended family are so blessed that word goes back to the king who's mourning and angry and he's been disturbed. It brought destruction. It killed one of his friends. He didn't want anything to do with it anymore. But he hears, but the glory of God is everything. I think I'll go back because 
I can't stay in this place that I'm in. I, that's my heart. So he goes back and he gets the ark and he says, we're going to do it differently. So he prepares the ark and he puts it on the shoulders of the priests and they take it back. And the city of David is amazing, Zion. And the Lord said to me this, a couple of things. He said, get ready, church. Prepare your hearts. I'm about to take you in places you've never been before. And we've seen a lot of things, so I don't know what that looks like. I'm not here to say, thus saith the Lord, everybody aligned to this word. I'm saying if, some, if you hear something in your spirit, then I know it's the sound of God. I don't, I, don't, I don't need anybody in this room to agree. I don't need anybody online to agree. But if by happen chance something resonates in your spirit and you go, yeah, I'm hearing that too. That's all I need. Because why? It does something for my heart to go, I'm trusting you, Father, for what I don't know. So he said this. He said, Steve, you're entering an obedidum season. So when you get evicted and, and the new owners are going to live in the place, they give you two months' notice. So it sold February 1st. So that didn't include February. So we had all of February, all of March, all of April. And the Lord goes, three months. I'm going to bless your home. I'm going to bring things to you that you didn't expect. I'm going to bless your home, your family, and your whole circle of, of influence. And they're going to be amazed. Things are going to start happening to them. They're going to go, oh, this happened to me. It was amazing. And I'll go, and so now I'm going, okay, three months of that. When did that happen to you? February 12th. I go, it's in the, it's in the three months. What, and so what's happening? My heart is going divine yes. It, what it's, what's it doing? It's increasing my trust. Where my heart doesn't always jump to trust blindly or fully. I go, okay. And I'm realizing it strengthens my inner man to go, you see, it's not just about you or that you need to trust. There's a, there's a corporate thing that's taking place in the body all over. So now I've got my antenna up and I'm going, what does it mean? Because, because I, this is what I'm sensing in my spirit. And I'll, I'll, I'll just, I have no problem saying this. I believe that the Father wants to, to take the body of Christ into, a, into a, a greater understanding of its inheritance where the glory of God fills the earth. It's not going to happen immediately. I think we're going to go through a three-month period of time, and this is where I, I'm so cautionary because I'm not a prophet, prophetic person that names dates and times and seasons. It's, this is just what I'm sensing. I don't even know what it looks like. I, I'm just going, God, is it true? And I've been ex we've been experiencing things. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so help me, Lord. Um, this is what I'm hearing and, and, and this is the amazing thing, too. So in this next three months, so February, March, and April, we're in the middle of it right now. Just look at your life and go, Lord, have you done anything that has been amazing that I didn't anticipate or experience? Or are you moving me? Or are you speaking to me in ways that you want me to pay attention to and see the divine connectedness of what you're doing in the earth? When it begins to rain, it doesn't just always open up and downpour. Sometimes when it rains, you feel a drop and a drip and another one and another one, and then all of a sudden you go, okay, and then it just starts to pour. And that's what we're anticipating now. We're watching and listening. 
So even when I, when I gather with, with, with different ones, I said to one of the live stream team here, so, and they, they, you know, what's happening? They shared a little bit, and I went, when did that happen to you? Oh, we decided about that about, a, you know, middle of February. And I go, it's in the zone. It strengthens my heart. I'm hearing it. It's not just happening to me. If it just happened to me, that would be an anomaly. It's not, I don't want it just, just to happen to me. I want it to happen to everyone. So I'm, with, I'm listening and I'm watching. But I'm sensing this, that we're, that we're going to experience this three-month period of time that's going to do something to our hearts in the area of trusting the Father in ways that we didn't anticipate. But, it, but there's also something greater coming. There's a crossing of the Jordan coming in, our, in the spiritual realm, in, uh, which has to do with our inheritance. So when Sylvia's mom called and said, I want to give you part of your inheritance, we're going, okay, that didn't even cross our mind. We, didn't even, we weren't even hopefully thinking about that at all. And we still don't even know what that's going to look like. And we're realizing it's not just about us, it's about her whole family. We're going, okay, like, we didn't think this was even on the agenda. And sometimes you can be serving God, and you can hear about inheritance and promised land and God moving, and you go, you know what, it's not even on my radar anymore. But God wants it to be on our radar. He does. He doesn't want us to live in the wilderness and go, you know what, Egypt was better. Let's go back there. He wants us to go, there is an inheritance. Now, we in the, in the charismatic, evangelical, reformed, orthodox, we've all sensed that in our, there's a better day. And we've seen a lot of things. We've seen moves of God. I mean, with, with the people even in the room here, you know, Brian and Randy and Christina and I, you go, you know, we've seen a lot of things. But God's saying, oh, you haven't seen this. Prepare your hearts. You've never been this way before. I say, God, we've seen a lot of things. He says, you haven't seen this. I go, there's more? There's more? There's and it doesn't look like what it did? Prepare my heart. I can't even prepare. If, I don't know, if I've never been that way, I can't prepare for what I don't know. I go, well, you know, we did it over this. You know, we had, you know, we'll take this with us. God goes, well, maybe you don't need it. Like, we're going through things in our home right now. Do we need this? Don't know. Oh. Well, we got to, you know, we're going to, we're buying boxes. We bought boxes for moving this year that, you know, are, are all banker-style boxes with lids and everything going. They stack really nice because some of this stuff we may not pull out in this season right now, but we may need for the next season. We don't know. We're going through stuff, and we're giving it away. We're, we're decluttering a little bit, and then we're going, we need, we're going to need to help. That's with our personal family. We're going to need to help the body of Christ do that. Yeah. Get ready. For what? I don't know. But we're just going to get ready. Well, how do you do that? You begin to prepare your heart. Not, not, you're not, it's like, oh, well, tell me where the fight is. No. Can't do that. So the Lord said this to me. He said, um, uh, and I felt it really strongly over the, it's not just for this Sunday, but over the last little while, get ready. Joshua said this to his officers in chapter one, pass through the camp and tell the people to get ready. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go everywhere I go. I'm just going to get ready. What does that mean? What does that look like? He says, prepare your hearts. I'll never forget it. And I said this once, I've said it numerous times, but um, years ago, the Lord came to me when we had church planted in hope, and he said to me, he knows me so deeply, he said, Steve, 
Now, Brian, you brought, I don't know, you probably remember this story. I said, Steve, thanks for uh, preparing a sermon so well. Thank you. I go, okay, what's up? When he comes and says, thank you, it means, okay, we're done there. <laughs> you know, it's, but he said this, instead of preparing a sermon, prepare your heart, and I'll tell you what to say. And I went, oh, really? That's a little scary. He said, no, trust me. Let me prepare your heart. Align your heart with mine, and then I'll tell you what to say. So every time I get up now, for the last quite a number of years, I'm scared. Because all I know is what he's told my heart. I don't try to fashion it and fix it and work it. I'll write some things down. But more importantly, I want you to hear his heart. Because that's the most important thing to me is that I know his heart. So he said this to me. He said, um, prepare your heart. What does that look like? So loose the attachments. I wrote it just down this way. It was in my journal. I, I want to I loose the attachments of the past season. I, I don't want to start saying, oh, 2020 was hard. It was difficult. I had, I had friend, I, we had, we had one, one couple dear, dear to us. You know, and when COVID happened in March, they got news that she had ovarian cancer. I go, well, which is worse, COVID or cancer? Everybody's worried about COVID, disrupting their lifestyle. You know, she's concerned with cancer, right? And you, and you realize, you know, our, our focus can't be on just, you know, you're disturbing my life, God. The things that disturb us and sometimes bring destruction will bring blessing. Look at the ark. Look at the ark. I mean, I, Sylvia and I talked about this the other day a little bit. I said, I said, can you imagine Obed-Edom, where David's ticked off at God, doesn't want the ark, it just ki- it's his last act around the ark was it killed somebody, and he goes, he wants to put it in our house. And, she, and Obed-Edom's wife goes, are you sure? It killed somebody last time. What if our kids are playing around it and trip and fall and touch the ark? They're dead. I don't know if I want that here. It brought destruction. David, the king, doesn't even want it. Sometimes we, 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 we do not understand the ways of God. Say, oh, God, your presence brought destruction. Oh, what are all these people slaying and falling down and everything? Oh, it's a mess. You go, don't try to figure everything out. Some things that disrupt us or, or disturb us or bring destruction, you realize, no, but it's still about the presence of God and the glory of God. Hallelujah. Make that the thing. Prepare your heart. So loosing attachments. Looking forward to the next phase. Like I, I talk to people and they're still worried about, they're still living in March 2020. Oh, oh. you know, the anniversary of the death of the church can't happen. <laughs> it's coming up on the 14th of March. And you go, Will you stop it? Right? And you go, Jesus, you know, like, oh, the wilderness is terrible. Yeah, but, but look, we're at this river. Oh, prepare for what? We've never been this way before. Yeah, we know that. And there's a river. We've never crossed a river. And Joshua, you know, God did say you'd be, he'd be with you like he was with Moses. But we'll wait to see. Yeah, right? Because they had to cross the river. 
The amazing thing about that story is about preparing your heart. When they crossed the river, the first thing they did was set up a stones of memorial, saying, we're going to remember this day. And then it says that God told Israel, or Joshua, tell Israel, we're going to circumcise the entire nation again. Why? Because flesh and blood cannot exist on this side of the river. And the thing was, because I said to Sylvia, how do you cut off what's been cut off? Because they're, they're circumcising the whole nation. So that means Joshua too. Go, and you know what it says? It says all of the, there was a whole generation up to 20 that didn't die in the wilderness that actually was part of the inheritance moving in. But they had already been circumcised when the, after, at the eighth day. Circumcised the entire nation. Why? Because flesh and blood, we don't want any. Prepare your hearts. It's a heart matter. That's why Jesus said it's not circumcising in the flesh. It's circumcise your heart. Because the first battle they went into was not a strategic military battle. It was a battle of their heart. They were supposed to worship. I'm, you know, we think, you know, they, they walked around the, the walls for seven days. What happened? I'm thinking by the seventh day, maybe they meant it. Maybe it took seven days to get into their heart. Actually, this is about the living God. And if he doesn't show up, we're sunk. And God shows up. And God was doing something in their hearts to let them know the living God is here. You know what? The enemy feared and knew that the living God was with them. They weren't fully convinced. But then, oh, it did. Something happened. And God wants us to be fully convinced. That's why trust is so important in my heart. He wants me to be fully convinced. So prepare your heart. He said this too. He said, oh, and by the way, when you cross the Jordan, don't get ahead of the ark. Don't run ahead. In fact, stay 2,000 cubits behind. <laughs> Brian and I were walking on the river the other day, and I go, how far do you think 2,000 cubits is? He goes, I don't know. I said, you see that bridge way down over there? Because 2,000 cubits is like eight and a half football fields. You got to stay that far back? I want to be right there. I want to, you know what, in fact, you know, because some people, when they hear the word of the Lord, they run ahead of God. They don't follow him. I don't want to run ahead of him. I want to follow him. He's moving in the distance. Here's an example of that, preparing my heart. When we uh, agreed with the new landlords to rent the new place, when we visited the house, Sylvia, I said, Sylvia, you know, what, how much do you think? She goes, oh, I, as long as it's not above 2,600. We're paying 2,000 now. And I said, oh, I have faith for 24. <laughs> but maybe they'll only ask 24. Because everybody else is asking like 3,000. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah. So, so I'm going... Okay, we met with them and we said, and the, the landlord, she says, yeah, you know, it, we know what you're paying and we, we want this to work and, and, and we know it, it, it but it's got to be higher than what you're paying. And I'm going, well, we're here. I don't think we can go here. Didn't, I didn't list a figure. I just used my hand. Don't think we can do this. So a few days later, they got back and they said, oh, it's going to be, and it's going to be $500 a month more than we're paying now. Exactly. That same look in your eye, I felt. <gasps> and I looked over to my reassurance. <laughs> Sylvia. <laughs> oh, my heart. And so what happened was, a few people heard about that. 
and came up with a good idea. Bless their heart. They were concerned. They thought, oh, this is wonderful. You know, how about if we, you know, uh, call up a bunch of people and see if they're willing to give toward your need? And I went, oh, that's so kind. Their heart was so perfect and beautiful. They want, their heart just came leaping toward us. But they came up with this idea, and I went, and so I, you know, finished the call with that person. And I said, oh, that's just, that's so kind. I said, but, you know, I can't touch that. So, um, and then I, and I hung up the phone, and the father says, that's not how we do it. We don't solicit. We don't ask, even though you have a need, I know your need. Oh, it would just be so much easier, God, if we just let everybody know and they all gave. He says, yeah, we, but we don't do that. You need to call them and tell them thanks, but please don't. Right? Conviction of your heart. You have, this is me. This is not everybody. Others can do it. Whatever you feel in your heart. Because the Father is coming after my heart, wanting me to fully trust. It's not about anybody else's heart. It's my heart. Fully trust. Right? So a call them up said, you know, thanks, but, you know, we don't really roll that way. You know, we, we look at God to meet our needs. Two days later, I have lunch with a, a, a colleague, and he says to me, well, how much is the difference in the rent that you're going to pay between what you're paying now and what you're going to pay? And I said, oh, it's this much. And he goes, well, how much is that a year? So I had to do the math in my head real quick. Six grand. Okay, I'll write a check for you for six grand. And I lose it and weep at the table crying. And God goes, let's do it my way. Let's do it my way. And why does he do that to me? Because he knows my heart doesn't fully run there and trust. But he wants me to trust him, know that he's completely reliable. Because the next stage that the body of Christ is going to go into, if we've never been there before, I have to walk in trust that what he's doing and leading, I can, he can be completely trusted. I can't bring everything I've learned and known from the past. I have to declutter that off and, and go, okay, I need, I need to be light into what he's taking. So don't run ahead of the ark. Um, steward his presence. So when Obadidim had the, had the ark at his house, and we're just going to finish with this, All he did was let it sit there, and he took care of it. He stewarded the presence of the Lord. This is all I know. What's the action plan? Give me five things. Tell me what to do. I can't. All I can say is this. Prepare your heart. He's taken us places we've never been. Don't run ahead of God. Don't, Abraham, you're going to have a child. Okay, it didn't happen when I thought, so I have a child and with Hagar, and it's Ishmael. Don't do that. Don't run ahead. But steward my presence. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. And then this is, someone asked me, you know, how do you, what's on, how do I prepare and steward his presence? And this is what I heard. I'll just end with a story. He said this, anticipate me visiting you, so look to me. And then I heard this, tune your guitar. That's what I heard. Tune your guitar. I go, what's that? He says, tell people, if you're a worship leader and you haven't led in a long time 
or you're discouraged and you've put your instrument down, pick it up and just tune it. Don't tune it because you've got a gig coming. Remind yourself of who you are. Just remind, oh, well, I'm not, playing, I'm not planning to play anywhere, so why would I pick it up? I said, just tune it. That's preparing. Remind yourself of who you are. Go over to, I had this picture. Go over to the closet, open it up, pull that wooden box out in the spirit. Open it up and you go, there's my armor. I hadn't had that on for a while. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to sharpen my sword. Is there a day of battle? I don't know. But if there is, my sword's going to be ready. You know how Jesus said about the virgins? Make sure you have oil and, and, your, and your wicks are, are, are trimmed. What was that? Get ready. Prepare your heart. You'll say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know. I say, I say to preachers, prepare sermons. Study the word. Be ready to preach in season and out season. You don't know when you're going to be called upon, but when you do, are you, on, are you, are you ready? Because we want to hear the word of the Lord. We don't want to hear the sermon. When we gather in, in, uh, you know, as, as churches and, and people, we go, so what's on your heart? Oh, this. What's on your heart? That. Oh, I think let's go with that. There's, a, there's an anointing on that. Run with it. We're with you. Okay. How did you get that? Oh, I was in my devotion. Did you know you were preaching? I didn't have a clue. In fact, it scared me when they said, you're on. But I knew it's something carried in my heart. There's something taking place. So with us, so, so here's, here's an amazing, here's the story. Uh, last Saturday, not this one, but the week before, I called up a friend of mine who I knew was discouraged. They'd gone through numerous years of pain. And they were a former vineyard worship, they, they were part of vineyard worship teams and, and doing ministry teams and traveling different places in the world back in the 90s. And I said, hey, you know, and, and he'd been going through some physical dilemmas and, and, and just discouraging, you know, and didn't know, he can't go back to work, and, you know, there's doctors and WCB and all the mess. And, 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 all, and then he sent me a text one day, and he says, oh, I, you know, I had some good news, and I, uh, you know, about the doctors. So I thought, I'm going to phone him. So I called him. I said, hey, you know, that, 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 I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, you got a little bit of good news. And, but then I said this, and the Lord said, ask him, when was the last time he tuned his guitar? I said, John, when was the last time you tuned your guitar? He goes, that's a funny thing, Steve. He says, on Saturday, I was feeling a little bit hopeful. I haven't felt hopeful in a while. And so you know what I did? I went and got my, my electric guitar that I used to lead worship with, and I put new strings on it. And I went, Yes! And he's not planning to play anywhere. And I said, so, so why did you get the new strings? He says, I was a little hopeful. So I pulled out my guitar and I restrung it. I got new strings for it. And it just felt good in my hand. And something leapt in me and went, that's the sound. He just wants us to be a little hopeful. And where our hearts aren't hopeful, he'll come. And he'll do things. It might not be for you. It might be for a friend. Like something happened in my friend. How do I know I'm part of the family? Because something happened to him and I went, yes. Had I gotten mindful yet? Maybe not. But see, that was the whole thing about Israel. 
when you go into the promised land, the two and a half tribes had made an agreement with Moses to stay on one side of the Jordan. But the agreement was, you can't rest there until all of your brothers have their inheritance, then you can go back and rest. So when your brothers have their inheritance, something rises within you and goes, yes. Can't make that happen. You just be willing. And I'm, I'm sensing that in the spirit realm. I don't even know how to describe it, that we're headed for something in the body of Christ. We've never been there before. And the only way to get ready for it is prepare your heart. And whatever that means to you, for me, it's, Steve, be strong and courageous. Oh, where am I not? I, I want to increase your trust, Steve. I want, you to, I want to go deeper in trust. I want, you to, I want you to trust me, knowing that if I'm taking you this way, if I've brought it, I will bring you through it. Amen. Okay. Help me with that. So my word right now is that the Father would uh, descend like rain and you would be more aware February, March, and April. Let's look. Let's listen. What are the stories? What's happening? What's taking place? Lord, I'm going to look at you. I'm going to tune my ear to you. I want you to prepare my heart. What are you doing in us? What are you doing in me? What are you doing in the earth for what's coming? Oh, what's it going to be? Tell us what you don't know. Prepare your heart. That might mean it's something different for you than it does for me. Might mean, and I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit will just release over the live stream and for the couple of us that are here right now, that the Father would, would that his, his voice and the sound of his heart would resonate into your, your spirit and your bones. That hope would rise up again in you. There's a day coming. Might not be able to describe it, but, 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 but Lord, you're stirring me in this season to prepare my heart. So Father, where there's hopelessness, we ask that you would increase hope. Where our hearts fail us, that you would come along and be the strength of our life. And that you would, again, convince us of your glory and who you are and your ability. Right. That you can be completely relied on for everything. Because, Lord, I, my heart isn't always there. But, Lord, you don't have, leave that as, a, as something that keeps you from me. It actually draws you closer to me. And Father, for all the prodigals out there and all the ones that have been bruised and discouraged and battered by experiences and pain and hurt, Lord, shake the earth and shake off the things that bind us and bind them from returning home to you. And Father, we want to prepare a banqueting table for you of our lives and our hearts. Lord, I don't even know what to say sometimes other than fill the earth with your glory. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.